that's the leave meeting button, yeah? <laughs> it's traditional. I realised if I just play the music at the beginning, I don't have to edit it in later, which is good. Hello, welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 94, Savages. It's a futile fall showdown with all 525 songs going head-to-head. Ultimate shakedown, round two. We're doing 77 to 93 and 94 to 2017. Finally, we're doing an episode where we actually look at some songs. Thank you to the annotated fall. Phew! Reformation site, now track record. Oh, brother, Puritans, Falling Five, and all them what fall. Tonight, we are going to be looking at Hit the North, Wrong Place, Right Time, and Disney's Dream Debase versus So What About It? And what about that fucking taxi you couldn't against my ex-classmates, kids? Um, joined, as always, by Pippington, Willie, Billy Rugby. How are you doing, Pip? I'm okay. Can you hear me all right? Because it says my internet is under the table. Right, I, I, it's a safe place to keep it. Lord Sage Temple manacled to the city. How you doing? No more, for I have left the capital. Exactly, very good. Pemberton S. Mid-North, yeah. Pemberton S. Walker, Esquire, with a dog, with a wolf. Only the one, and it's not in a bag, and I'm not having sex with it. Not yet. Now while well, the lights are on. <laughs> Pet a tiny marky Tim Twatwa, etc. Is he with us? He has produced copious notes. All right, and I am Void O'Shaughnessy and uh, Patreon chip-ins from Leon Jumble Sale, Michael E, but not from Max W because he's in the room. Hello, Max. How are you doing? Hello. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Very good. Nice to uh, have you on this side of the divide. You know, you can, yeah. uh, these lads don't think, start off with a controversial question. These lads don't think people on Twitter should even, uh, on, on Patreon, should even be able to vote or give any opinions because they want to hold the power. All the power. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, let's see how it goes. I mean, obviously, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to compete with the likes of uh, Damo Suzuki and uh, what have you, but. Uh... Whatever, it doesn't matter. They're old now. We don't even listen to old episodes. This is the new thing. But um, Max, tell us a bit about your uh, fall journey, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I actually heard the fall like in the early 80s on a compilation tape that a mate of my mum's had given her. It was Psycho Mafia, and I kind of liked it, but I didn't, you know, didn't follow it up or anything. And then when I was... 15 or 16 i was going through a period of just randomly borrowing records from the library and I borrowed uh, this nation saving grace and just fell in love with it basically and then just became completely obsessed with the fall um <clears throat> and sort of have been ever since really um That's... about sort of 10 years ago i did this facebook group for like a fall immersion um, that's the the Fallen album a day one. Yeah, yeah. And it was like super active at that time. But then once we finished the immersion, I sort of didn't really bother with it anymore. But um funnily enough, you posting the um these podcasts into it, I think has kind of revitalized it a bit. So thanks for doing that. That's good. And you cleaned up all the Jesus messages. And uh <laughs> yeah. I was like when I first posted it, it was it was wall-to-wall messages about prayer groups and the savior of my son. I'm like, I don't think we need that. So that's good. Yeah. Then we get back to business. Fantastic. Well, let us uh, tarry no longer. So, Pip, we, obviously we have six versions of Hit the North to listen to, but let's, how about we listen to three now? I can play them if you want. I will listen to bits of the first three, 
then we'll we'll listen to uh, the other song it's up against, and then we'll come back to the other three later in the uh, episode to to kind of uh, have a gander. Is that all right? You want me to play him, or are you? Yes. That's it. I've seen behind the curtain now. Yeah. <laughs> done it. Done it. Do it. It's just Wizard of Oz, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely seamless mixing. Mm. Right now, spot the dick, like spot the ball, isn't it? To the naive ear, that might all sound like one song, mightn't it? No chance, mate. Yeah, As I is... think the later the later remixes start, the higher numbered ones start getting a bit more different. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. I think um, I, I I've analysed all of them in detail. Uh, number two slightly more guitars number three pretty much the same as number one stripped back a bit but then four five and six they warm up but pip as is customary tell me what you think of hit the north and those three different versions of it the the three immensely different versions one two three well they're different parts actually aren't they so i guess technically they're not remixes it's it's like uh it's like the building up of a symphony or something isn't it where you uh simply reinforcing the motifs at the start i will say charitably at the you could call it a a triptych, perhaps, if you wanted to be really pretentious. Absolutely, yeah. And we're not afraid of being pretentious on this podcast, so I will refer to it now as the triptych of <laughs> Hit the North. Um, I think the first thing that jumps out at me is, um, and it's it's going to seem silly saying it's the first three, actually, but is um, just how um, dancey and creative it is and how well it's stood up to the test of time because it's I'm, I'm looking forward to Ezra's description of this and it's and all its preset glory uh the the synths and stuff but it's incredibly catchy 
And it doesn't sound dated in the sound. We went back to like 87 and checked out other songs that were coming out at the same time and that, that have not fared as well for production stakes. But I really think Eight the North is quite interesting. Probably uh, Marsha Schofield's best track for me, really, I think, uh, in, in terms of the fall, Ulwa. Um, And the only other thing that I would say about the first three is that um, I've, I've never noticed before the line at the start about his cat. Um, which amused me immensely, but I have to say I disagree with all the uh, the, the annotated fall debate about Eek as uh, as northerners here who are quite familiar with that phrase. I don't think that tracks, but uh, but it's a great tune, and I love the I love the sing along ability of it all. Oh, indeed. Um, Leon's popped in and he said the commercial zenith, especially the mimed Roxy appearance where Mez does a twirl. Mez once said he used to <laughs> see Sean Ryder and the other Mondays at the front of gigs. And here you can hear the passing of the next gen to mank music, even get a God's Cop reference, which the Mondays picked up on. Mez still manages to get some mysticism in there as well. Absolutely. Uh, Max, what do you reckon to um, hit the north? Yeah, I... Um... Like Phil says, it's like the their kind of most joyous thing that they've ever done, I think. Um, and uh, for me, it's just associated with like pure happiness because it was like it's only it was within like a year or two of when I'd just become obsessed with the fall and I was still absolutely mental about them. And then my favorite band like releases this incredible like pop song that like my mates actually like as well. And they'd go to like indie discos and everyone's shouting hit the north and stuff. And I just felt just really, really happy. Just it's like, oh, my, my favorite band's done this amazing thing. And that's what I think about listening to it now, really. It's just, just, it's like a pure happiness vibe for me. Even the video, you know, where they're all like in the bingo hall and the, the people, the audience are all shouting hit the north and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just pure lovely. Indeed, I remember an indie disco where it went from Frankly Mr. Shankly into Hit the North and finished off with Where's Me Jumper by the Sultans of Pink. I don't think it gets much better than that. <laughs> um, Ezra, what do you make to um, HTN? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fucking fantastic. Like, um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I guess the first few times I listened to this track pre-podcast, I always kind of... Not exactly wrote it off, but I was just like, oh, it's a it's a nice little kind of poppy. Uh, what's the word? You know, like a, a poppy folly uh, of the band. You know, it's it it is what it is, but it's not up there with some of the hard hitting brilliance of whatever other stuff it was that I liked at the time. But listening to it again and again, and then listening to it all six parts of it you really get into the depth of it and it's fantastic. There's so much going on there and uh, all of it I really like, you know, I just wish that they'd timed the amount of time it took to like drive from Prestwich to London or rather, you know, from London to Prestwich and then done enough hit the North parts to completely fill the car trip. (laughs) Um. And yeah, that like sounds, that sounds like a great project for this podcast. Actually, I think that's I love that idea. Well, it, it's such a fantastic track, and it's so nicely put together. And the thing that I like about the parts is they do bring up other elements which you may not have kind of glocked on quite at first. And of course, the four, five, and six—they've got like the kind of 
techno-ish, maybe more house version, and then there's the kind of public enemy-influenced version, all of which I liked. And one thing that I'm interested in is, so what was the release format? Was this all just released in, like, um, would they all have fit on a 12-inch? I'm guessing maybe, well, yeah, I guess they would have fit on a 12-inch, three to a side. Or were they really, you know, was it multiple releases? Because the the interesting thing, and, you know, a bit is made of this that, like, uh, Smith and probably the rest of the group all felt like this was going to be a mega hit. And it seems like it kind of was a mega hit. It just depends what your metrics are, because it stayed in the charts for a very long time. Can't remember the exact number of weeks. It didn't get high. I think it was at 50 or something, 52 maybe, in the charts. But it was there for quite a few weeks. And that kind of tracks to me, because the first time you hear it, it it doesn't grab your balls in the way that, like, uh, I don't know. The, the first Spice Girl single does, let's say. But it's such an earworm, and it's got that nice chorus. But, you know, maybe to his um, own disadvantage, the uh, the verses kind of just hover under the music a little bit too much, maybe for the commercial ear. Uh, you know, I mean, that's to me, that's an advantage um, of the fall and one of the charm points of Smith's delivery. Um but yeah, you know, and the other interesting thing I came up with researching this, and this was on the annotated full page, was an interview with, uh, what was his name? The dude who produced it, was it Simon Rogers. Ford? <clears throat> Simon Rogers. Simon Rogers. Simon Pampice Rogers. Yeah. That's right, Pampice. And yeah, the, the, one of the really nice things that kind of came out of it was that like he plays the, uh, the dude who's interviewing him, a tape of like Smith rehearsing Hit the North. Um, and, you know, so a lot of people are just kind of like write him off as turning up in the studio with a bag full of lyrics and then just grabbing something and ranting over the top of whatever track's going on. But he really, a lot of the time... We never accuse the... him of that, though, would we, on this, on this podcast? Never, never. But, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely marvellous. And I've really enjoyed listening to all six parts again and again and again. And again, yeah. So... Zigga Zigga, I think um, Pip gave Marsha some credit there. I don't know. I think most of it's Simon Rogers. Um, she might have done a bit, but... Um, he played it live. Probably. Who knows? He played sequential circuits. Um, he, he talks about, Simon Rogers talks about him playing stuff on his sequential circuits, uh, drum machine sampler kind of thing that uh, I'm sure Disco Stu and Ezra would go frothy over. Play a bit and see whether it's just a bunch of presets. Spoiler, it is. in the cartridge. Now, he did quite a lot of stuff with it. It's quite nice, but I tell you what, I tell you what, they did rip off, which I, I uh, it's not Boomtown Rats, no. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway, that's the minute, man. There's a little, a little bit of deep. What's the uh, whilst you're on this though? What's the selfish giant tune that Simon Rogers ripped? Gentle giant, but I think he just. Gentle giant. I think he just took a couple of sounds from it. I don't think it's a recognizable sample, so don't know if it counts. So I don't know if we know what song it is, but I think he's so just. It's said, not. It, it, it's not like he took that that do 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 do. No, I was no, I wondered whether that was what he took. No. But I love gentle giant. I'm not- I'm not convinced about that. You know, I mean, there must be like so many songs out there where you play one note six times and then you play another note three times. <laughs> That's a bit lower or something. Do you know what I mean? Well, sure. it's an interesting. It's an interesting point, and because we're all sort of musicians here, aren't we? And it's, I, I'm struggling <laughs> to think of another song. And the drummer. And Al the drummer. Yeah, I don't, sorry, Al. And, uh, I used to play but, the drums as well. Funny enough. <laughs> Um, we could, we've got loads of drummer jokes then. Um, yeah, what do you call somebody who hangs around with the musicians? The drummer. Exactly. Um, it's quite an unusual riff, though. The, ta- the the actual the the phrasing of it is quite unusual. I've always thought that when I heard it. The North, I thought it was a bit of a weird, yeah. weird riff. It's like it's a weird, weirdly song. syncopated, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So it it's because it's not complicated. It's just a bit odd, isn't it? The, um, yeah. the emphasis on it. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the great things about it is that even though it is like this magic pop song, it's still really weird as well. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons it's got so much shelf life as well, isn't it? Is that strangely kind of lurchy riff? Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you said about the the not dating because obviously the sounds are very uh, cheesy and 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 vintage, but they've dated well in that sense that it's almost a timeless sound. And some of the there's little bits of those remixes what that do feel like nineties dance hits, but the fact that he was able to take the elements and there's so much on that when the reason why those six remixes are still fairly full is because the original one is just packed it is really really dense there's no space at all but unlike uh certain songs we'll get to later it doesn't become just a mush like a a mid-range kind of uh Mush, but that that comes out in that article that Ezra showed, didn't it? Where they were where they were on about Simon Rogers and that, but the with the difference of perspective between Bricks and Smith, where she was saying it was a commercial decision, whereas he was saying it was a sonic decision, wasn't it, to try and yeah. clean the noise up? Yeah, Alistair, what do you make of this tune? Well, I'm I'm going to provide balance on this one and go. I've always thought it was a bit shit. Um, <laughs> it reminds me that is it what's that Boomtown Rat song? Is it Rat Pack or Rat something? Oh, that really rat, rat, rat Trap. That's the one. Play it. It's, it's okay. just, <laughs> I'll get it. Yeah, um, it, I've never been able to kind of get over that. And, um, you know, it, it is a, a, a poppy song, isn't it? Like you know, it's a bit commercial. I think you, there's a t- a whiff of the sellouts to it for me. Um, boo boo. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, it's a nice sort of jolly tune and everything. You can sing along to it, but it's not fantastic life, is it? You know that that is a proper up there. Yeah, this is brilliant. I'm having a great time, kind of song. Where this just sounds like yeah, a bunch of presets, like a, a bit of a fucking bad stock yet kind of Waterman attempt. To... He was mates with Pete uh, Waterman, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Go on, then let's have a list of rat trap. Not this bit. That was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Screaming and crying in my high-rise block. If they're a rat trap, give it, but you're already caught. Hey, you can make it if you wanna, or you need a better 
Yeah, you know, it's God. awful, isn't it? Makes uh, Mick, Mick Jagger, doesn't he, that lad? Give us your money. Well, if it weren't for him, we'd have got our demo played on XFM, you know. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> for the best, for the best, really, wasn't it? To be honest. Yeah. But um, let's hit the north up, getting back to that. Frank's version's better than it, you know. Um, it is. Like, 1987, I was just thinking like LPs that I got from 87, and I'm not at all, like, but Gluey Porch Treatments by Melvins. Um, the wider context, is that what you want to talk about here? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm broadening the, the horizon of it, yeah. Um, Quite right, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Slayer were putting out stuff like Rain in Blood, 87. Is that 87? Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and the Joshua Tree. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're talking. Yeah, I, I, Listen, I we haven't done this. Forget. We haven't done this for a while, and we're just spiraling out of control. <laughs> Let's fucking get this shit back together. Fucking what does Tim? You what does, too. What does Tim? Fucking you too. What does Tim think about hit the north in one word or less? So he's a, he's put. Uh, oh no, not that stuff. He's arguing. Uh, what he's made? You say he's made up by the Romans? <laughs> Flavians, apparently. Oh, that's wrong one. So do do do. Right, here we go. Hit the North. Accessible fall at their finest. It's hook-filled and entertaining to listen to on a surface level, but without compromising on anything. And the depth of layering and the interplay of the vocal track with everything else is... <laughs> interplay of the vocal track with everything else is brilliant. Not sure I see the need for the number of remixes as final products, but it's interesting to hear what are obviously 909 hits on part six. When I saw the track in the playlist this week, I wasn't filled with much excitement, but I've really fallen in love with the song again. It's Prime Pop Fall. And he puts some other notes as well. So on parts one and two, he just says sounds like a less well-mixed version of part one. Nothing else noticeable. And we yeah. had a bit of an argument about the drums, didn't we? Whether and which was signed and which was programmed. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. What, what was your... What you what are thoughts on that? Well, I, I assume from reading that article that Ezra showed, which which is really good about the recording process, isn't it? it that it was they just sampled Psy and that they just okay. used that. But um, but I, I'm not as familiar with presets and stuff as you guys are, so I was that's why I was asking it on the. I was going to say I always assumed it was like a drum machine doing the the main beat and then Psy playing toms and over stuff the over the top. That was what, what I kind of thought as well. And in the live versions, he does a pretty good approximation of what's going on. And um, yeah, let's do a few live versions. The guitars are much louder. And I think um, it shows what it what could have been, uh, you know, an okay kind of rocky pop song. But I think Rogers did a sterling job. It's oh, fantastic. Not enough pan pipes. Not enough pan pipes. Oh, uh, no. I don't know what you thought of the drumming, Al, but I was quite impressed with it. It's, it's very tight and there's, there's it's busier than it sounds on first listen. It's that all guitar right. part that goes, um, that guitar part that goes, -na 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 -na, that would work well on pan pipes. Don't let Rogers know. Exactly. That's what he reckons, isn't it? That's what he thinks. Various hit the north versions. This is what Michael Lee says. Various hit the north versions. I only got into the fall about a year after this came out, but I do remember some people were quite sniffy about it and saw it as a sellout. No, nobody would do that. Only an absolute arsehole would think that <laughs> way. It was compared to the hit factory work of Stock Aiken and Waterman, who was used at the time. Oh, What's he talking Michael E says the part one is the only one that I would intentionally listen to. Alistair, if you've been peeking at these notes, you know what? Because you don't believe me. 
I believe you. I believe you. Completely believe you. But I'm sticking. Yeah. I'm sticking by what, what I said. Well, mind you, he's not. Sa- he's not saying it's like stock and Waterman. He's saying yeah. that other people. Said that's what. That. That's what I mean. But Alistair is, and he's the arsehole I'm referring to. Michael A is always uh, very, uh, very on the ball with his uh, articulations, unlike some grind cod runners uh, that may or may not be in the room. Um, no, I'm sorry, Alistair. Your opinions are, are great and valid. And I, and uh, <laughs> what does Tim think? I already told you. <laughs> Why don't we have a list? Should we listen to the rest of them? Yeah, listen to the rest of them, if you don't mind. Oh, to answer uh, um, Ezra's question before as well, I had a look at the release history, and it's only parts one and three, I think, on the first single, and then the other parts come out on a remixes 12-inch. So uh, I think think the 7-inch had one and two, the 12-inch had one and three, and then there's a remix one that has four and five on, and I don't know if six ever came out. Got to catch but, them all. Uh, yeah, you got that. That is a classic. That's the kind of stuff that infuriates Disco Stew, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. I actually think five might be mm. my my favorite one. It's obviously the original. I think is is stunning, but five minimal synths and uh, all yeah. those telephone noises. What I, it what it reminds me of is that um, New Order's music kind of really changed when they went clubbing in like New York or Detroit or somewhere and listened to club music, which was like really really minimal compared to the sort of high energy stuff that everyone was listening to in the UK, which is like really dense and irritating. And um, they sort of came back and made New Order's music like that, where it's like mostly about a massively loud drum beat and really minimal kind of other stuff and not not too much stuff happening at the same time. And that's what the version five kind of sounds like to me, similar kind of concept. 
I think so colder and more minimal and and it, it doesn't really stray into techno territory really or or the kind of housey stuff too much but um it, it's uh yeah it's sweet and it shows and my feeling is that all of this stuff is already in the mix on 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 one and he just basically did five other mixes of all the stuff that was already in which is amazing that there's so much good stuff in how about this al why i was giving you a hard time what about um the line here where he says um what does he say cops can't catch criminals but what the heck they're not too bad they talk to god and um the, the person James to, yeah do you know where he was born yeah just went corner from me exactly uh, his sister i uh, used to see her quite often right just yeah to shoot to lift it right near the fruit and veg shop i know and um up near uh, st matthew's church right hi Aye, the law is rooted in righteousness and Christian principle. I have no difficulty about enforcing it, nor do I have a conscience about it. He died last year. Yeah, What's the name of the, the... You're talking about the God's Cop bloke, right? Yeah. What's his name again? James Anderson. Yeah. James Anderson, right. He was the, the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester, 76 to 1991, and he was a Wigan, Wigan lad, born and raised, went to Wigan Grammar School. That's, what, that's how we raise him. This and then this way. <laughs> right. Me and the chief got slowly stoned. What about let's have a listen to right place, wrong time, off curious or end. Do you know I think just just so I could throw my two penithin about uh the, the other remixes? Yeah. I think it, it gets a little bit yellow in places. Craftwork uh, Junior. I wrote that. You had a bit of uh, do you remember Casey and his brother on Uncle Muscles Hour? It's <laughs> 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 a messy state to sound like that on them remixes. Well, right. it's all good. I thought, do you remember that Goldie Looking Chain song as well? I am a robot. Oh, I fucking love that. <laughs> I am as as robots. I am a robot. <laughs> Have you right. got ten spags? <laughs> Not the best song, but a classic. Best yeah. Welsh rappers ever. Right, right place, wrong time. Aye. <laughs> Oh, he's doing it. He's doing that thing. Uh, How did that get in there? <laughs> See, this is wrong place, right time. Totally different. What about uh, Ezra? What's he think of Wrong Place, Right Time? This is one of them fall tracks which I have to be in the right mood for. And the right and I place. I suppose I was in the wrong mood for it. Wrong mood, right place, which should be in the kitchen uh, with a bottle of wine, which is always the right place for the fall. But wrong mood. Um, I, I, I do have an enormous soft spot because I always just feel like he's somehow commenting on Genesis with that song they did, what was it, Can't Dance, Can't Walk, That's only right. thing about me is 
And, and then I imagine Marky e. Smith in the kind of Genesis music video to that, and that just makes me laugh a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it is it's a great tune. It, it's got a like um, it's got a great quality to it. I feel, which is why I have to be in the right mood. Uh, and I'm sure that was entirely intentional. I really love the way that the band are now so tight that like they just sync perfectly with his uh, vocals on this track. Um, so yeah, all in all, pretty good. I think I'll I'll uh, just oh here we go. Mm, good lyrics, right time for me alone. Walk the streets of complete full homes. Wrong place, but I'm bound to stick with what I intend to see through. See you in wrong place, right time, but there's miles in between. So of course it's from the Orange Curious of Orange William and. It seems to tie in with the narrative there. Also feels a little bit to me like uh, it could be a certain amount of rumination going on about the uh, the failure of the relationship with, with Bricks as well. But uh, who knows? All in all, pretty nice. All in all, yeah, it is. It's not bad at all. I, um, I love the riff at pummeling but the novelty of him singing the tune of the riff was off pretty quickly for me um that video shows bricks and uh, marsha on on cowbell and percussion which is nice um craig i'm guessing is just playing the riff because i can't hear anything else other than the riff um yeah and, craig and steve are just totally doubling each other yeah 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 and it's i mean it's a really super nice riff and then there's a nice synth break for like 20 seconds in the middle so um that'd be marsha probably wouldn't it and um i don't know i mean that synth break's really sort of weird and it's kind of um it felt what it feels like it's there because they're listening back to it and it's like after two minutes whatever they're like this is just too much it's too much just being like punched in the face repeatedly in it i like the song but i mean um it's so dry that it's obviously just inserted straight from the computer into the middle of the track. And then when it comes back into the song again, there's so much air in the song, like so much just noise that's not even musical or anything. And especially since there's hardly even any music in the whole song, it's, when it comes back in, all you hear for the first couple of seconds, you don't even hear any music. It just sounds like this big clanking machine, you know. And I actually really love that. It's just a great illustration of like the difference between lo- like recorded music and straight from the computer things. The, the the contrast so jarring. Yeah, and the fact that it just doesn't matter to to them to him that that, that that's there. That's a good thing. <laughs> There's just this nasty juxtaposition. Like um, I I question whether or not he would have put it in there because the song was pummeling and going nowhere for two minutes. <laughs> yeah. He may have had some other um, epiphany as to why he needed that in there. Um, I really like the bit at the end where he's hamming it up in the video and he's, you know, pretending to strangle Michael Clark and he's just going over and over again with that minimal kind of line, which um, I think cursed forever is William of Orange. He just keeps saying over and over again. And I, I kind of wish that that was the song and that it was less of him chirpily singing a riff and it was just, it was even more minimal and aggressive but um i guess that's for the remixes isn't it what does uh what does uh, al think about uh this one well i think it's possibly well actually it's actually the best ever song based on a kick cat advert i can't think of any that beats it but the 
Um, really like it. It's unlike uh, Hit the North. It's really sort of like organic and earthy sounding. Um, I, I do like. I like the, the, the like the brutalism of the the, the riff. It's like the uh, Shanley and Sai show in it until it sort of like builds up to the, the, the bit, which really sort of like gives it a bit of a like breaks it uh, the, the riff up a, quite a bit. In uh, in a bit of a tenuous sort of like a comparison, it's like a really heavy monks riff or something like that. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of time for this song. Sweet, sweet. Um, Leon says one of the best Hanley riffs. Love to cut to synth. Love the cut to synth strings are back again. One of the best. And uh, Michael E says my favorite. Um, <clears throat> it was on my favorite and first fall LP, and I love all the tracks. So a big thumbs up. So he's a he's a fan. Um, Max, any, anything else you wanted to add to uh, to this one? Um, not really. I mean, um. It is interesting to see Bricks not playing guitar and um, that incredibly sort of stripped down just Craig guitar probably hadn't heard since Perverted by Language and maybe it's a bit Perverted by Language-esque, the track, I don't know. But um, yeah, just uh, I just always loved the, the just big clanking. It's, it's as much a machine as it is a song, you know. It sounds like this is a recording in a factory or something. I always love the story that Marcia was telling, I think it was on her brother, where she said that they had to dash out all the songs so that Michael Clark could train the dancers to them so they practice and rehearse. So they were rehearsing to essentially to demos, and then they went off on tour and played all these songs and expanded them, and then they had to go back and le- learn the songs as the demo form, essentially, for the performance, uh-huh. which is which does make sense when you think about how minimal and brutal it is because... Yeah, it's just like a one take kind of thing. But uh, the riff, yeah, fantastic. And definitely, absolutely 100% um, original riff that definitely couldn't have possibly (laughs) come from anywhere else. bit tenuous that one isn't it that's a credence clearwater um thing what does pip think about uh this um minder tribute well uh, i'm i'm of a similar mind to al to be honest with you because i it's one of them when it comes on this tune I, I really like how tight it is and i know it is just stripped down one riff kind of hitting every beat but um it feels to me like that moment in a in a practice room when you've been struggling to nail something and then all of a sudden the band gets it and you can kind of hit the riff and it, it kind of takes a bit of its you get more energy out of it don't you and it's, uh, it's a lot easier to play and I like yeah we've nailed it kind of thing so i really like that feel that you get from this and it's not a very long record is it and i'm i'm going to be the one to say it but it, it's it's a lot better when you watch the video than it is just listening to the tune. And I think it suits a glorious spectacle going on with it. It works very well to complement all that. And it's it's a great video. It's a lot of fun. It's colours and dance and stuff. And it's uh, it, it gives you a bit of a, a taste of perhaps of what that whole experience was like. Indeed. Um, a glorious but, revolution, some might say. A glorious revolution, indeed. So... Um, I I really really like it for that. So I think it does what it sets out to do because it you know it's a it's a it's a ballet. It's a piece of ballet music, isn't it? It's it's like sort of uh, 
uh, talking about a movie, but just talking about the dialogue. You know, you're kind of missing half of it, aren't you? But on a, on the strength of just the tune itself, I'm again probably with everybody else. It's it, it's not going to be. Uh, I'm probably going to lean towards hit the north. I think. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Not everyone, but um, I keep on knocking, but there's no bugger in. Right time and Britain is mine. Hat day on way, and all peasants will know orange. I can't wait to test anthrax turf again. Big Wren, homage, orange, cursed forever is William of Orange. Who chopped his dad's head off, Phil? Come on, you're a historian. Who chopped Orange's dad's head off? Oh, uh, so in Holland? I don't know, to be honest. His dad probably didn't get his head chopped off. But it was a provocative question, wasn't it? What does Tim think? <laughs> You're on form, mate. Okay, so Tim's put, okay, track. I like the strict brutality of everything being locked in, but the real percussive feel to the arrangement, but then it just repeats and repeats. The copy and pasted bit of ambience that jumps in at one point feels like an afterthought, and I find myself wishing for a proper B section at least. I don't mind the track at all, but it's just a bit flimsy. Mm, aye. So let's have a vote. Vote, um... vote, 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 vote. <laughs> been ages hasn't it it's been absolutely it bl- bloody ages max which way you going uh wrong place or hit north well i i love wrong place but it's got to be hit the north easy in it i'm also going for hit the north alistair wrong place okie dokie fair enough ezra hit the north. hi pip yeah i'm hitting the north indeed and um what about michael e he's put gone for wrong place right up interesting mm. so it's it's mostly done and dusted but uh, what's tim gone with he's hit the north as well all right so it's it's easy in the end and we're moving on to disney's dream debased against so what about it uh let's have a gander to ddd Indeed, Alistair, what do you think of Disney's Dream Debased? Well, I'd say that this is definitely my favourite song about somebody being uh, killed on a, a fairground ride. Um, but it's it's a really nice pop tune, isn't it? It's a like, very kinksy, kind of like Ray Davis feel to it. Nice production. I um, love the sound of the guitar. It's like nice sort of chiming kind of thing going on with, with some of it. Um, yeah, it, brilliant song. I'll leave it at that. Right, yeah. Succinct. But um, what does Tim think? He's put uh, surf fall at the finest. Brix's melancholy gestures create this sort of static feeling field, which everything else gently bounces off. This is a real low-key heavy hitter for me, and I love the arrangement and the way the instrument voices shift and change throughout. Like the pokey and honky, slightly distorted guitar line that pops up, and Brix's occasional backing box. The bass line is superb too, but when out, Hanley's bass line's perfect. Great track. 
I am always amazed how early it is for its kind of hot chops. It's really kind of um you could imagine it breaks the stayed around and stayed happy and the two of them had um had kind of actually developed the style we'd have seen much more of this kind of stuff it's really intricate and there's so many things going on it is it's absolutely beautiful every it's, it grows on me every time i i hear it there's like a the, the vibe from the kind of rhythm guitar and the and then the lead multiple leads coming in adding all these different kind of colors and um that, that phased kind of effect on on Mez, but then some weird angular riffage and chords thrown in there to kind of mirror the darkness of, the, I guess, the concept and and all these kind of noises in the background. Um, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Love it. I think, um, and and not even starting to really to get into the kind of the concept of the. The weird, weird ass concept of the song and it being based on reality. Um, there's blood on the ground and blood on the sand, and the people did mill to those adrenaline rails, and everything stopped. The nurses climbed up, and our faces pale. There was no doubt at all, no two ways about it. It was the day that Disney's dream was debased. I saw a mouse who flapped my wife. The evil had given the, in the mouth of the ride in fond dreams. Anthem to creator of all that had stopped. Oof. Heavy, heavy stuff, isn't it? Max, what do you reckon to uh, Disney's dream? Yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, um, the subject of it, you know, it's it, I've never really had much stock in the whole sort of precog thing with Mez, but um, this incident, especially since it was all corroborated by Bricks, where, you know, I'm sure you're all aware of the story, but Mark basically had a premonition of something awful happening and shit his pants, not literally, but on this ride. And was like terrified and stuff and then um said it was evil and then half an hour later somebody was decapitated on it um and this is all corroborated by bricks you know which is great because you never really know whether to believe mark for this sort of thing but this is it's definitely the best precog incident by far um but yeah musically uh, i'm glad you mentioned like that you'd wished Mark and Bricks had kind of developed that songwriting partnership more because this feels like the music is mostly Bricks and obviously the lyrics are Mark and that when it works it's just it works so so well and I would just wish there was kind of more stuff like that in the, in that period when Bricks was in the band um you know and um I, I really I love this song. I, I started playing piano during lockdown, and this was the first song that I played on piano, and it's just bashing chords out. You know, I mean, that's all I ever do on piano. I don't play it properly, but um, yeah, it's just a, a magical mix of that sunny, ethereal kind of reverb-soaked California kind of happiness, but also with the kind of sinister undertone you know like you mentioned there's some kind of discordant parts and that bass part that goes do 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 like that and um it's just enough to kind of put the menace in it as well and uh yeah i i, I really wish there was more mark and bricks songs really i think um when you listen to her other stuff and solo stuff it's it's it isn't this angular it's a lot more clean so i think there's also an influence there mm. of her being in the band an expectation for it to be a little bit more wonky and dark and dirty mm. but um yeah 
I, I was just laughing there, thinking of what happened with Bonkers in Phoenix when it didn't, when when things didn't go <laughs> according to plan, and um, that's what that's what yeah. happens when. Where things... he just basically she records a beautiful pop song and he just comes and shits all over it and, and then sticks it in the album. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a reference in the lyrics to "Blood on the Saddle" by Tex Ritter, which was played Disneyland. But um, I wasn't going to play it. But when I started listening to the song, it is so bonkers that I don't think I can. <laughs> something off Ween's second album or something it was this horrible just <laughs> like everything's out of tune and you know oh, yeah that's weird it's so weird it was so weird i was like this... I, wrote, I wrote a few <laughs> tunes with a guitarist doing that kind of thing because it's the it's the it's the playing the key isn't it on the on the end of the neck that they're yeah. getting that twangy sound it's like a it's like a poor man's tremolo or when something twang, twang goes wrong yeah yeah you, but it you... never sounds good it never yeah. sounds <laughs> <good>. <laughs> what do you think pip to uh this one yeah, I got I, I got mildly obsessed with this this tune this week myself and spent a bit of time like like um back thinking about the music really and the it, it really the chord change really reminded me of a Lennon kind of um that descending root note, isn't it? Um that he, he popularized. And then I think the twi- the angular bit, because um when I was I was curious as to who had the writing credits on it, and Shanley's got a credit on it, hasn't he? And I, I think it comes I think it comes from the bass that interacting with the the, the chord change that she's got. And it's it works so well. It's I, I love this. Reminds me a bit of Craigness. Um that that's yes. it's a similar vibe, isn't it? This kind of wonky the other band that it always reminds me of is Blur. I think Blur can do this kind of stuff as well and it and and, and do it quite well. Or they used to be able to anyway. Mm. And um I, I it's it's a really nice place that they visit during this period, isn't it? And that you can hear them trying to do similar things on some of the later records with the um the, the last lineup with the band and it just they never get never get it this beautiful um and it's because bricks isn't in the um it's 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 all down to her voice and her style of guitar playing and and i think the vibe that she had with the band and with mark in particular and the type of stuff and those the lyrics that you read then i mean that's giving dylan thomas a run for his money isn't it do you know what i mean it's like really really good and it is a weird story around it all, which just adds to the whole kind of mystique of the band and stuff. But just the song in its own right is a is a slice of musicians getting each other, top form, everybody doing their bit, a touch of competition between everybody, so everybody's showing off, and it just landing really right on the record. So, yeah, this is a great one. It's a really great show. 
Sweet, sweet. Um, Leon says, love it. Beautiful and tragic with the lush gothic sound. Sonic Youth and R.E.M. were surely listening. And uh, Michael Lee says, uh, a great bit of indie guitar pop. And I think it is very bricks. Ends the LP on a high. What does uh, Ezra think over there in the Japanese Alps? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think like uh, the wonderful and frightening world of The Fall is definitely one of the most exciting Fall records. And the thing that makes it so exciting is that it it was the first flush of their reincarnation, you know, like uh, up until that point, been playing a very different kind of music. And yeah, it like so the whole album is really fantastic to me. Um, and like Phil was saying, the uh, parallel with Craigness is one that I also picked up on. Like, if memory's serving me correct, it might not be, but they're both on one side each, right? So yeah, the next to each other, last two songs, last two songs on the album. Oh, next to each other. Well, nonetheless, yeah, that also works. And it's, yeah, you know, as um, your other fella said, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were listening because, you know, you've got that nice kind of melodic business going up at the front and then you've got like these little kind of pools of feedback um, and dissonances in the background. It, it it feels to me like a kind of indie indie pop motherload, you know, like um, I'm not sure if it was done that much before then, but for sure afterwards a lot of bands kind of ran with what they were doing here. And so, yeah, it, it's an impeccable, impeccable track. Sweet, sweet. And I've got a feeling Tim is going to love it too. What does he think? Yeah, so he's put... Uh, oh, he's already told you, but I was going to ask I don't, Al. I don't think it, he has. He has. He has. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you went, has, to, you went to Tim first, didn't you? No, yeah, no he hasn't. I, I want to ask Al as a surf aficionado... Would you call this surf guitar music? Yeah. No, no, no. For me, it's more like, a, you know, like saying the Ray Davis Kinks kind of. I hear that. You know, something like Waterloo Sunset or something. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, which I guess is where you're going with that blur kind of thing as well, with that wonky yeah. kind of like it's poppy. I think it's a little bit lighter and more intricate. Indie? Is it Cockney oh, indie? It's <laughs> like, you know, better Kinks. Bit of uh, Sid Barrett in fucking Webley Stadium next weekend, isn't it? We've giant pick. But um, what about it? So what about it? Did we answer that next, or have I not asked someone? Do we do it? Do it. Um, Max, what do you reckon to this Monday's rip-off? It's not a Monday's rip-off, come on. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's shift is off shift work, right? It's off shift work, yeah. Yeah, I've really flip-flopped on shift work over the years. Um, 
I really liked it when it first came out. Um, then sometime later, I started referring to it as shit work, which is completely like ridiculous. Now I've kind of gone back to liking it again. Um, it's nice. It's fun. It's like a. I don't think you could say it's a Happy Mondays ripoff, but it's definitely like in that vein of kind of baggy esque beats and lots of program stuff, and uh, it's nice. You know, I mean, that's kind of like damned with faint praise, really, but it's nice. Yeah, it's definitely a Monday's ripoff. It's uh, it's step on. <laughs> so I was a Twitter. Someone <laughs> else a bit ago, someone was like, "You you, you said it was a Monday's ripoff, but it can't be because because they ripped off a Monday's Monday's ripped them off years ago." Listen, listen, Twitter X, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> Step On came out in March 1990. Oh, this it was a cover. John Congress in it. Listen, I'm on. I'm, on, <laughs> I'm in Australia, Alistair. Yeah, it was a cover. It was a cover. But it's the Mondays is better than the original, and this is a rip off of that. So it, they released it in March 1990. This came out a year later. So stick that up your ass, Twitter. Well, what sounded like the Twitter person was saying the Happy Mondays ripped off the fall with a different song. Therefore, yes. you're not allowed to ever say that the fall have ripped off the Happy Mondays with another completely different song, Pretty which obviously much. doesn't make sense logically yeah. anyway. But it's a good, I can't really see the step. I mean, I love the Happy Mondays, but I can't really see it myself. Let's do it. You you, you baited me enough. I'm, I'm going to nice. get proved totally wrong here. Probably not. It's more likely I will get proved totally wrong. That's what normally happens in this situation. I'm driving along the empty <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Inclusive. Well, I'm here. The, the seamless um, beat matching that you'd obviously laboured over for hours before Wait the show. Heard him play guitar. Yeah, let's <laughs> have a listen to the remix while we're here. why i played the uh the remix there because i uh, i felt that the remix stripped it back a bit too much and the original put too much stuff on there and somewhere between the two would have been really nice but it made me sad that uh it kind of didn't need hanley or scanlon on it at all and um i think just having dave bush and uh and smith and possibly funky Sai in the mix would have been enough for um for this there's a the smeared with 90s guitars and just too much stuff going on um some nice feedback squeals and not really a lot going on in terms of melody i, I always enjoy it when it's on but uh, i i'm not seeking it out at other times ezra what what do you think of this mucky dirge I'm a big fan of it. Really like it. 
I, I was thinking I might even um, vote for it tonight against Bloody. Disney's Dream Debased. Typical. Typical. Um, yeah, no, you know, Shiftwork was always an album that I expected to hate. And then having, you know, become acquainted with it track by track and then listening through it beginning to end, I've discovered I really like it. I think it's really, really fun. Uh, I think it's a very nice album. And I think this is maybe not my favourite on the album, but it's definitely up there. Uh, I, I love the kind of vocal effect he's got going there where it sounds like his the inside of his gob's been scoured with sandpaper. Uh, I love the way that he does a Tommy Cooper impression and then goes, and that's magic. Uh, <laughs> there, there's just something really nice and upbeat about the whole thing. Like, I, I, I feel like, yeah, you know, I, I do ag- agree with you, Brendan. I feel like they could have taken maybe one layer of sound out. And I feel like the problem with shift work in general was that they really needed to turn the fucking bass up to, to get away with this kind of ravery angle that they were going for because i never feel any bass in these records and that's you know it's what i want it's what i need in that and that's a big shame but but all in all i think this is an absolute champion track sweet 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 uh leon says electric northern funk positive and light-hearted despite the circumstances in the world as much of a state of the fall mindset track as before the moon falls 12 years earlier bold claim mas could say i'll stick with a gang of one here and it would work mentions moth city in the remix is this a manchester where everyone is flocking to the lights very good Good indeed. And Michael Lee works pretty well as an opener to a fairly tame fall LP, but is not something I feel strongly about. What about you, Pip? Strong feelings? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I was going to ask Ezra. This is starting to sound like your favourite period. These, uh, these, these sort of more electronic albums. You are Al. Dev Bush. Dev Bush. You I like wouldn't Bush. say it's my favourite period. I would. I would say I just like it because I expected it to be really crap. And I've been very, very pleasantly proved otherwise. And it, it to me, it's an interesting period, um, and think, the least explored up until the point. So, but by default, it becomes my favourite at the moment. Probably won't be forever. I like that. I think it's a courageous decision. It's uh, I applaud it. I uh, I'm not so sure about this one though. I don't think the guitar riff's good enough. I think that's what lets it down. And maybe, maybe you're right, Brett. Maybe they're trying to ape something that they're not entirely comfortable with at the time and that's maybe that's why it sounds a little bit too throwaway the riff because it's it's like one of them things you do in the rehearsal room isn't it and then you play it about 10 or 20 times and then it'd be like yeah but it needs something else you need to do something else with it you can't just keep doing that over and over again and um it it just feels a little bit bit boring to me so i was looking against the happy mondays though it's it's certainly better than anything off uncle dysfunctional i don't um, know and yes, and yes please yes and and then you, you're probably struggling it's probably not as good as anything off those three albums that they started off with so yeah not not one of my favorites this. no i remember uh, conti disc conti disco off um off uncle dysfunctional is pretty good I What's quite the like. one you sent me? What's the one you sent me? I can't remember day? what it is. Was that a Monday's one? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was about being at the window or something. What's that? No idea. No idea. I'll, I'll have to have a look. I'm going to find um, it. Max, uh, what do you reckon of this one? I've asked you. I can't remember. I'm losing my mind at this point. Yeah, I've gone already. I've asked everyone. Al, I've not asked you yet. What do you think of this? What about it? 
Oh yeah, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, bad new order. I, I thought um, so. Like it, like it does kind of the same. Like bad sort of like factory stuff from about nineteen ninety when they were you know, like going for just signing any band from Manchester and don't know, thinking that they were going to be uh, the, the next big thing. Um, but uh, yeah, shift work. Uh, but all, all the Fontana stuff, apart from uh, Extra Cut, I think is cack. I just don't like it. And I remember at the time, like when it all came out, and really sort of being disappointed and sort of like losing enthusiasm for the band. Uh, when you was hearing so much good stuff going around, and he was just like, they're just trying too hard to be commercial. Uh, because they're on a major, um, and like the production's awful. It's just like really muddy. Um, not keen on the guitar sound at all, and uh, never been dead keen on um, on the synths. Really, I've, I mean, apologies to Dave Bush. He's, he, he, he did a wonderful job, but it's not the kind of stuff that I like. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be voting for this one. But going back to the uh, the step on thing, um, that was actually recorded for. Uh, a compilation for Electra Records, like for an anniversary thing, uh, and it was all like covers of stuff that was on Electra. So that was John Congress, and uh, they heard it and they're like, "Fuck that, we're keeping it, we're having this one, <laughs> and, and give them a different song." Yeah, it's a it's a top notch uh, tune, absolutely, and they, they did a great version of it. And then this this song's a bit like it, and that was good. Um, what what about Tim? What does he think of this? Right, it's for. More Puck Fall, and I really like this one too, but unlike Hit the North, it feels like it's pandering a little bit to popular taste. That said, I like the way it swaggers and the riffs are infectious and the guitar echoing mez is a nice touch. Fun pop. Fun pop. Fair enough. Um, Shall we take a vote or is it not that time? Yeah, take a vote. All right, let's take a vote. Um, Which way are you going, Pip? Uh, I cannot vote against Disney Dream the best. You'd be a fool, wouldn't you? Um... Michael E's gone with Disney as well. Smart choice, as am I. Max, which way are you going? Yeah, Disney as well. Fair enough. Ezra? I'll be the fool for today, and I'll vote for whatever that other track was called. Exactly. That says it all, really, doesn't it? What about you, Alistair? It's forgotten it already. Exactly. Yeah, I'll go with a snuff song. Fair enough. Disney. It all wins. So next up is, uh, what about that taxi? And so, Alec, let me play this, if you don't mind, Phil. All right. I to say to you, by way of um, introductory remarks, in my... Stand in that fucking corner! Stand over there, right out all of your fucking entrails! Just for the best, because I'm going to need all of my fucking energy to fucking rip all of your bodies to bits with my bare hands. Yes, you have your fucking skin as a sleeping bag to a fucking normal person. You know what you are? I don't have any drink in our house, but I've got a bottle of beer on that wine. It's mine. 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 It's Where's the taxi cunt? What do you think of this, Ezra? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> like, uh, my first thought... Well, actually, my first thought was, how the fuck did this get into the second round? What on earth was <laughs> yeah. it up against in the first What round was it up against? To, to make a majority <laughs> of us like... people fucking... Go- it's fucking, isn't it? <laughs> that was my very the, the second round. Oh, it's a bye? 
No, there's fucking showers of cunts, um, aren't there? There's a lot. <laughs> fucking... the, the way it got into the second round is because we're a bunch of childish bastards. Exactly. Didn't, yeah. it, knock, didn't it knock Iceland out? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Tim's favourite song is, it knocked that out. And, <laughs> and, and then my second thought was, well, if I'm going to listen to this again, you know, there's no way that those lunatics at the annotated fall would have bothered transcribing this. So I should listen to it and try and transcribe it. And I thought, well, I'll just check on the annotated form and make sure. And sure enough, they did fucking transcribe it. So it's on the annotated form in all its glory. And then my third thought was, well, I suppose it's kind of precog because I don't think field recording was really hitting the avant-garde in the way that it would around the time that this was released. And he's really taken the whole idea of field recordings to the ultimate limit, because you know, like if you if you're gonna spend money to listen to like glaciers melting or uh, a rare kind of frog, why not spend money on listening to a bunch of drunken manks in a kitchen doing loads of drugs and arguing about fuck knows what? Uh, because you know they're, they're they're all of equal artistic merit. I believe they're one could maybe argue i will read some of the lyrics while we're here look at me eyes man i don't have any drink in the in the house about a third of a bottle of wine mine had this the other week you know brian sat here the other week and you come back with wine fucking baileys everything you monday friday walk bottle of wine right now and uh there's lots of numbers as well, seven eight nine all the five seven eight nine all the five seven eight nine sixteen double eight seven eight nine all the fives, which is you know a, a Marky Smith motif, of course. I know you need it, needing it when you wake up shaking. You got I drink to get into it, not to get out of it. You got it's a different group, Leslie. You fucking Brian, you're not even lighting it. Give it here. You can't behave yourself fucking last night for the simple reason. We're not on tour until next Monday. That's it, Ryan. Pass that. Now get your head down. It's full of tobacco. The end. <laughs> oh, they were back here, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's essentially the wasteland, you know. <laughs> the wasted land. <laughs> it's funny, actually, this, um, listening to this again earlier this week, because I don't think I've listened to it since I first got Are You Are Missing Winner. Um, it sent me down a rabbit hole of like best sort of recorded band arguments. And uh, there's a there's a great Iron Maiden one off one of their early albums. Um, I can't remember. I think with all these, they're not even, they're just arguing about su- the stupidest thing possible, but they're all just really pissed off with each other because they've been in the studio and they're all frazzled and that. But the Iron Maiden one contains the line, fuck my old boots, mate. Which is uh, just a, such a great insult, and um, there's the Trogs tapes as well, where um, the, they're all just like arguing about what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to do next in the studio, and uh, yeah, and then that stuff that stuff got parodied later in like Spinal Tap and um, Bad News, and it's just a sort of rich tradition of. Um, recording people arguing when they don't know they're being recorded you just get some absolute gold you know is it i mean it, does, uh, it, it doesn't deserve rich? to be in this contest no but it's going through going through <laughs> to the next round that's there's no question of that is um it's um 
Buddy Rich, Phil, you had those, didn't you? Is it Buddy Rich berating his band on the buzz? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Buddy Rich. I'll have to have a look. Um, I don't even track. know about that one. I was I was trying to think then about which which arguments I've I've heard, and it's I, the only one that's coming to mind is the George Harrison one that we used to always mimic in the rehearsal room. Play whatever I'll, you want. I'll just play, play whatever you just want. Tell me what you want me to play, John, Paul. Just have, I'll play. Paul, it. just the, tell me what you want me to play. Well, the uh, Buddy Rich one, I think, is where he's berating. It might be Gene Group. I have to have a look, but um, it's all fun. But this is this is much more lighthearted. They're, these lads are touching on some some deep deep subjects around, you know, uh, uh, booze. I'm not ta- sure if taxes. Apart from Blaney, does it? Is it actually the group? Apart from Blaney and Smith, it sounds it's to un- me like Blaney and Smith and random. They're mates. Randoms. Yeah. Mate, that, yeah. that's it. That's enough for me. So I want if it's if it's Marky Smith and Ed Blaney and your granny on bongos. Having an argument. <laughs> Having an argument. Yeah. What's, well, uh, they're in the by, by the fact that they've got it on a full record now, haven't they? So, exactly. You know. And yeah. we all happens to us all at some point. What about you, Al? What do you make of this piece of audio verite? So a lot of fun in it, you know. Um, but did you say Mark Smith's not on it? No, he's not on it. It's an impersonator. So, so it's it's not a fall song then, is it? It's not really a song, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I reckon it's it's a, a thing that they put on a record. It's not Very the worst. Hard. It is mm-hmm. not the worst thing I know you are missing, winner. Brendan, mm-hmm. maybe you could uh, beat match it over the top of a Happy Mondays song. It is a rip-off, isn't it? So the Mondays did that on their previous <laughs> album. <laughs> it, it, it does sound like it could come from a Monday's recording session as well. Yeah. Um, what does Tim think? Oh, my, does it? I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I've got all day, mate. What does Tim think? You know, what is going on with Mark's tongue in Phil's um, avatar? <laughs> Lizard people, it, innit? So you don't want to get too close to it, I think. So, um, well, he's been very uh, succinct. He's put, waste of fucking tape, cunt. Fair enough. I think he said that last he time, much, didn't he? Yeah, he doesn't have much time for these. No, you know. Well, he's too busy investigating whether the Romans invented Jesus, isn't he? Uh, well, <laughs> Michael Lee says, "Well, I have no idea why this exists." And uh, Leon says, "No time for this." Reminds me of the anonymous bunch of blokes and shit pub pick on the back of R U R. Well, I think we're in the minority, Phil, but I, but we can we can still win this one. It is up against my ex-classmates, kids, the best thing on our You Are Missing Winner, objectively. And um, yeah, let's do it.
Did you accidentally play the, that new Rolling Stones album there, Phil? Was that <laughs> sure you played, played the right it. track? Just to go hark back to a Disney Unity based, you know, we talked about if there were any other songs that were about death on a roller coaster. You said, uh, oh, this was your favorite. Now, chat, chat GPT suggests that Furground by Simply Red, well, not, well, not specifically about death. <laughs> <laughs> Makes people want to kill themselves. Yes. You can finish, yeah, you can finish the, that <laughs> sentence yourself, right? So, um, but, Max, what do you reckon to this song, Mike's Classmates Kids? It sounds like uh, a lot of stuff from this period, I think, which was basically the band didn't know when Mark was going to come and didn't even know if he was going to turn up. So just spent all of their time like jamming out like Velvets and Stooges-style rip-offs. And then occasionally Mark wanders in and starts singing over the top and they go... You know what? That's good enough to go on the album. And you know, I mean, let's face it: if where's the taxi can can get on the album, then this can. It you know, it, it makes me a bit sad, really. There's because re- I've always really admired Mark's determination to put out an album every year. Um, I think it's like it's true art kind of approach. It's like doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. I'm going to do an exhibition of the stuff that I've done in the last year and take it or leave it. Um, I really admire that, but there were some years where you feel like they could have done two albums, and there were some periods where they felt like they should have done one album every three years, like most bands do. And this is definitely in that period. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to go through against Where's the Taxi for me, but like it's lucky to do so. It's following on from the unutterable. So, Are You Missing Winner was there was a lot of change going on, uh, you know at the at the time and um apparently all in all it was a very miserable experience i think ben pritchard talks about there was a weightlifters gym above them and so they they had to be careful in the middle of recording the track someone would drop like a heavy weight on the floor above them and they just go boom and they have to stop and start recording the track again um and and yeah, bastardos on that and that takes up like seven minutes of the album as well uh, so yeah Ebius Afro Man's nine minutes long. Yeah. Um I mean but... it's it's not all filler. There's some great stuff on that album, like Crop Dust, I absolutely love. Yeah. Um, and Jim's New Fall. But yeah. yeah, that you could take like three albums and get rid of all the, the shit and release one absolute corker from that period, I think. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But um I think this is a really sweet tune. It's it's often compared to uh, Sister Ray or Velvets or especially Roadrunner by um, the Modern Lovers. Might have a list to that in a minute because it's a classic. But um, cry for them five days per week. I cry for me three days a week. Politburo sucker smells like twigs. I just think the fact it's so fall that the the guitars that should have been like Sonic's gnarly like burning your face off <laughs> like way like undistorted and buried in the mix and smith is as close to the mic as possible just yeah. totally blown out it's just like if you're gonna do something as generic as this i like the fact that the conceit is just about him meeting people on the estate kids of his of people he went to school with and um and, uh, and not about some like um, you know heartbreaking vixen like a Sonic song would be, and um, and just that mix 
I really, really love it. I think it's, it's a total shitting on rock and roll history in the best way possible. <laughs> what do you reckon, Pep? Um, <clears throat> well, I had some similar thoughts about the juxtaposition, yeah, the lyrics and the... It's very American, isn't it? <clears throat> me, the music, the sort of rock and roll, with <laughs> really mundane, Mancunian, been to the shops and bumped into Terry, who I went to school with, and saw <laughs> his son and... and really kind of uh everyday life uh based to it i really i really like the sound on this it is a shit album but i really like the the sound on it and i know it's um it's probably more accident than uh deliberate but i i, I guess i like the um just the art brute of it, I guess. It feels like a tape recording, doesn't it? It feels like something that you probably shouldn't have hold of because it's because of the quality is so poor. But because of that, it almost adds like a little bit extra to it. And I, uh, I, I quite like his performance in it because it's honest. It wasn't a particularly happy period for him personally or the band collectively and it's you can kind of hear that in his voice the the dentures slipping around and he's he's slurring and all that kind of thing and it's you know he's he, he probably has had too much whiskey and he probably should have gone home an hour ago and i i i, I quite like that about it because it's i i think we were, we were talking about true art before and that to me is true art. that's the artist kind of laying himself burr isn't it about what his limitations are as a performer and stuff so so yeah i i really like that and and when you're doing a tune like that, you don't have to do anything clever, do you? You just have to do it. So, yeah, I, I like this one. Yeah, it probably is the best track on the album. Yeah, me. the underwater chip shop of the mind. <laughs> My ex-classmate's <laughs> kids sounds like Jonathan Rickman's Roadrunner, which itself is based on the Velvet Sister Ray, to me, but I've been reliably informed there is no way Ed Bellini would know that tune, so it must be a coincidence, like Lee. Very good. Whereas uh, Leon says, overshadowed by the better and similar wake up in the city, like the line about twigs, though, and whole ex-classmates concept, dad's on guitar again. Yeah, because it's essentially exactly the same tune as Wake Up in the City, isn't it? Uh, which is a B-side from that era. And, and a Blaney tune and probably Blaney's best tune. Good, good. Al, what do you reckon to uh, this, Gem? Well, pretty much what everybody else is saying. I mean, it's uh, I scribbled down. It's uh, a nice bit of eco-friendly recycling of riffs. Uh, scribbled down Jonathan Richmond, but it is quite catchy. I find uh, I don't mind. I've had it as a, an earworm before now, uh, but I think it is just that the vocal and my all that stuff um, that, that kind of gives it. It's a nice quality to it. It's it's memorable. Yeah. Indeed, it's it's a sweet, sweet tune. Ezra, what do you reckon to it? Yeah, I, I, I do think you really nailed it quite nicely uh, yourself there, Brendan, with what you were saying. Like, to me, it's a song that really dares you to hate it. Like, the production is so terrible and cack-handed and the guitars that should be roaring in, uh, you know, in praise uh, of the, uh, the garage rock gods. <laughs> just sound like fucking elastic bands on a lunchbox, <laughs> and yet, and yet, they just managed to fucking like snatch victory from the jaws of defeat again and again and again throughout this song, and it just gets good at certain points. And a lot of it is is Smith's delivery and like his all oh I cry for them, I cry for thee, I cry for me, my ex classmates, kids. It's so fucking funny 
and, it, and it's a proper good, nice uh, piece of music. Yeah, derivative as fuck. But the absolute like like disemboweling of the history of garage rock is in its own way like a proper fucking avant-garde gambit and it just it's yeah it's an infallible piece of music to me this i really 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 like it yeah let's have a bit of a listen to um the the jonathan rickman uh version of the same riff we all uh know sister riff i'm sure we know this one too You're busy sucking on the ding dong, is what I say. <laughs> what about um, Tim? What does he think? So he's put my eight classmates' kids. Not much better, really, is it? Substandard garage rock, with the only Ooh. redeeming feature for me being the fact parts of it are so in the red it makes farting noises in places where vocals should be. The super polite guitar riff doesn't gel at all with the rest. Mez sounds bored and the singy parts just nothing exciting or interesting for me. That said, scabies is better than overhearing wasted people you don't know insanely muttering about nothing. <laughs> boo. Boo. I disagree on every point, including that last one. And, and um <laughs> and um, I, I thought we'd established that it, Mark sounding bored is not a bad thing. Well, I think you need to have that arm wrestle with him again. All right. So let's have a vote. We all know what we need to do here. We do. We've got <laughs> Alice, to do our duty. Alice, which way? <laughs> Call which me way? a fucking sappy, you cunt. <laughs> uh, I'm going for my ex-classmates, kids. <laughs> um, Max, which way are you going? Yeah, um, you Everyone's comments about my ex-classmates have kind of made me feel like I've been a bit unjust to it. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go back and give it a few more listens. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely keeping classmates over a drunken argument anyway. Aye, indeed, and uh, yeah, of course, Michael, he's gone for that one. Ezra, come on, what we go? What are you saying? What are you doing? The shades like twigs. Indeed, Phil. So I didn't get really a chance to talk about uh, tax and. Really? Uh, I, I was I, I'm I'm quite a big fan of this of all the skits and all the records. This is the one that I I quite like, and I could see it working on a artistic way as well as a kind of funny way as a, a skit as well. So I'm I'm a little bit torn on these two. Um, so I might have to uh, I might have to go for taxi actually. Yay. Indeed. So uh, you're asking what it put out, and it, it put out Calendar, which is the one that's of um, Levitate, B-side Levitate, done by Badly Drawn Boy, which is, I really like that tune. Um, that more, it, is that why it went out? <laughs> pretty much why it went out. But it's a super nice tune, but everyone was saying it is just like House of the Rising Sun or whatever. It was like, it's, it, but, you know, <laughs> but then again, everyone, everyone's praising uh, this sister Ray ripoff, but you know what? Can't win them all, can you? <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, justice is served. So wrong place, right time goes through. So what about it? And what about the fucking taxi cunt? No, they all go was out. Hit, they hit they the go north. out. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was hit, hit the north. Disney's dream debased, and my ex classmates' kids. And once again, it's the same ones we would have chosen if we'd not even listened to them or had a conversation about it. So what? Another fucking waste of time this was. But. Thanks for dropping. But Max, it was enjoyable. 
for us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, uh, you're welcome back anytime. You know, uh, we'll give it a, a few months, and if you want to come back, yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All righty. So, see you all. Uh, we're back on uh, next week, another regular episode, and uh, take care. Go and play the song to see us out. Bye, everyone. See you. Bye. Bye. Yeah.